0: If you're interested in learning more about an entirely different way to spend your first year or maybe your first couple of years out of college or even out of high school where you're paid to volunteer in the United States to improve lives and communities in this country, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest is a volunteer with AmeriCorps. That's the Federal Agency for National Service and Volunteering. But before I introduce you to Emily Ray, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's T4C's newsletter with career advice and job insights from the professionals like Emily who are actually working in them. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org, and the sign-up box is right there. Now, my service-oriented Sumatra lovers Please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated beverage because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Emily Ray, a 2020 college grad who is in her second year of volunteer service at AmeriCorps. Since it first began in the 1960s as a program to combat poverty, When it was known as the VISTA program, which stands for Volunteers in Service to America, AmeriCorps, as it's now known, has provided opportunities for Americans of all backgrounds to serve their country and address some of our nation's most pressing challenges. Challenges like disaster response, providing economic opportunities, improving education, and environmental stewardship. AmeriCorps volunteers who are between the ages of 18 and 26 are working on a range of projects in thousands of locations all around the U.S. Prior to joining AmeriCorps in environmental stewardship, Emily worked on an organic farm right after graduating with a degree in environmental studies and geography. Emily, welcome to
1: Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? Thank you. Well, I'm vegan, so I don't drink coffee. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I was I, like, what does being vegan have to do with that? <laughs> I, I'm actually drinking tea. It's like black tea with lavender and honey. So, wow. yeah. <laughs> kind of fancy. Sounds delicious. So, do you just not like coffee? Mm, honestly, I'm like scared of being addicted to caffeine. So, I don't drink it very much. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of somebody
0: describe it that way, (laughs) being scared of addiction to caffeine. But, you know, honestly, whatever works for you, it is all good. So before we get into what you're doing now at AmeriCorps, I was hoping we could flashback, Emily, to the spring of 2020. You were a senior at Middlebury College where... I went to school and where I met your parents, yeah. Sarah and Mark, long before they had met one another, yep. <laughs> but I knew both of them. And gosh, I guess in the spring of 2020, as you were approaching graduation, it was the first year of the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, what was
1: that like? Did you have any idea what you were going to do when you graduated? Honestly, no. I mean, I did think I was going to like do something environmental related, but I, let's see, I was like at home just finishing my classes and it was really, it was really sad to like finish college at home. And then I had this friend that I had met through an internship the year before, and she was working on a organic farm in Washington, like near Bellingham, which is north of Seattle. And I kind of just felt like doing something random and going for that in the summer. So I, yeah, I ended up going there. To this organic farm. Mm -hmm. And what were they growing? Oh, just a a lot of vegetables, produce. Yeah. Really just vegetables (laughs) that they sold like at the farmer's market and did like CSAs. So it was Honestly, it was very cool to like learn how to plant and like transplant and harvest like in a farm setting.
0: So you were outdoors, you were doing the the labor.
1: Yeah. And I think I guess that was my first. No, that's not my first time doing an outdoor job. But like I I did like really enjoy that aspect of it. I didn't really want to be inside. After like in between my junior and senior year of college, I ended up doing an internship with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration in Florida. And that was like that was environmental. I was working on like coral reef data, but it was like completely office based. And it really made me realize, like, I don't want to be in the office all the time.
0: That's such a great point, because one of many things that you get out of internships mm-hmm. or part-time jobs when you're in school is it's as much about learning what you don't want to do as it is learning what you do want to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely realized I like, we got to go out a couple times during that internship. And I was like, whoa, like I really have an itch to be outside. <laughs> so you were outside
0: working, getting paid at this organic farm. Mm-hmm.
1: And what happened? So I worked there for about a month. And then honestly, like the boss, like the person who was in charge of the farm, we just like our communication was not working for me. And also like the culture at the farm wasn't working for me. So I had never really expected myself to do this, but I ended up quitting after a month and I, I stayed living in Washington, which was awesome. Like I did love living there. And I ended up, I was only really unemployed for like two weeks, which was crazy. Cause I ended up finding two remote internships.
0: Oh, okay. So, and were they paid the
1: remote internships? One of them was paid.
0: <laughs> That's all so, you need.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it was, I guess I found both of them through this special job board thing that Middlebury College had set up for recent grads where like alumni could post opportunities that they had. And yeah, I was so grateful to that. So what were the internships? One of them was, well, the paid one was doing mapping for environmental sensitivity index mapping of Lake Champlain. lake in between Vermont and New York. And it's like, if there was an oil spill, like what are the resources that would be affected? And I was like finding data on that for them. So that was pretty cool. And then my other one that I was doing was writing articles and helping with trail maps for this land trust on Cape Cod in like Dennis, Massachusetts. And I mean, that one was extremely valuable to me, too, because I like learned what a land trust was really. And it also led me to my next job. So.
0: So tell me about that. I believe it was the Dennis Conservation Land Trust mm-hmm. on Cape Cod. So how did interning at the Dennis Conservation Land Trust, which was a virtual internship, lead you to AmeriCorps?
1: Yeah, I was doing... So I was doing trail maps and writing articles about, honestly, like heat islands and how they affect coastal areas and stuff like that. And then my boss there, who was the director of the land trust, she was so nice. And she was like asking me like, oh, like, what are you doing next? And then she just mentioned AmeriCorps Cape Cod to me, which I'd never heard of. Honestly, I've never, I've never been to Cape Cod. And yeah, then I like, Oh, maybe I'll look into it. (laughs) Because AmeriCorps Cape Cod is an organization where, well, it's like an AmeriCorps program, where you do an individual project, and then you also do group projects. And Usually each year, one person in the program, their individual project is with like Dennis Conservation Land Trust. So the idea was, oh, like you could keep doing this with this organization and stay here with us for another year if you come here.
0: And is that what happened? Yeah, (laughs) it was great. So cool. Yeah. And actually, full confession, Emily, until I started preparing for our interview today, I actually didn't know much, if anything, about AmeriCorps. (laughs) I actually thought it was all focused on the environment and didn't realize that there are six different areas, six different types of, I don't know if you want to call them challenges that AmeriCorps volunteers work on, whether it's education or economic opportunity or working with veterans or as you are working with the environment. Mm -hmm. And I also didn't realize that this type of federally funded volunteering for young Americans between the ages of 18 and 26 has been around since the 1960s. Yeah, I guess so. So can you tell us what it was like when you first started? You started as an emergency response team member your first year. You're an emergency response team lead now, but what was that first year like?
1: So, so I did a year with AmeriCorps Cape Cod and then a year with AmeriCorps St. Louis, and now I'm a team lead at St. Louis. So it's actually your third year. Yeah. (laughs) Oh,
0: okay. So let's talk about your first year on Cape Cod. Did you continue working writing for the Dennis Conservation Land
1: Trust or what, what was that like? Yeah, I three days a week I did writing with the land trust for like their newsletter and then also for volunteer things like helping organize volunteer projects where the volunteers come and you like go out and clear a trail or something. And then probably one of the coolest parts for me was really using a lot of the, like, the GIS that I learned in a cartography class that I took at Middlebury to like make pretty good trail maps for Dennis Conservation Land Trust. What does GIS stand for? Geographic Information Systems. You were applying what you had learned <laughs> in the classroom. What a concept. Yeah, and it was cool because I also was coming out of college intimidated to a lot of geography majors do kind of look for like jobs in GIS, but I didn't feel like I'm the most competent in GIS because it's got pretty hard to learn, but then I ended up being able to use it for a really good cause. So fantastic. So what made you decide
0: to stay within AmeriCorps and move
1: to St. Louis? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Yeah, I really, the reason that I like knew about AmeriCorps St. Louis was just because I met someone, a woman named Kelly, who works at a different land trust on Cape Cod. And she was just telling me a lot of stories about how she had done AmeriCorps St. Louis and been a team leader there for as well. So spent two years there and then gone to Cape Cod and done like what I was doing at the time. So... She, she told me later that she was like really surprised that I went to St. Louis cuz she was just telling me about bushes of poison ivy and stuff like that that we encounter in Missouri, but I love it here, so. So tell me about that first year. What
0: did you have to learn about because it was a very different experience from
1: working on Cape Cod? Yeah, I would say I think the biggest, some of the biggest things I learned was chainsawing. I like I had gotten chainsaw training on Cape Cod, but in St. Louis, the program has a really good chainsaw training program. So I learned a lot about like felling trees and reading trees, assessing them, stuff like that. Um, And then also about prescribed burning, because I only did two pretty small ones on Cape Cod and it's just like more bigger scale in Missouri. Of course, it's not much like compared to Out West. Well, I hope
0: people are going to go and look at show notes and look at the photographs that I'm going to post along with this episode. Because when you talk about learning how to use chainsaws, Emily, I mean, you are <laughs> you are not messing around here. <laughs> I actually learned again because you were kind enough to write this out. But you were telling me that chainsaws have different bar sizes that's what they're Mm -hmm. called and it's how you categorize chainsaws the smallest ones you wrote me have a 16 inch bar
1: yeah those are the smallest ones that i use Yeah, right
0: and then there are 25 inch bars there Mm -hmm. are five different sized bars that you've had to learn to use can you talk about what it's like because i've seen pictures It's almost as tall as you are. I mean, it looks like that. The bar, it's
1: huge. I feel like that might be an optical illusion. Okay, maybe it was, but it's Um, two feet long. But yeah, no, the big ones, I would say maybe they're like half my size. They're the bar size. It definitely, you base what bar size you're using on like what you're cutting. So if you're cutting like smaller invasives, Or small trees, like you can use a pretty small bar. If you're cutting huge trees, large downed logs, stuff like that, then you'll definitely want like a bigger bar.
0: (laughs) How hard was it to learn how to use a chainsaw?
1: Not too hard. I feel like like if you learn to use one safely, just learn the safe practices, then it's not as scary as you might think. Well,
0: It looked pretty intimidating to me just checking out those photos. I want you to talk a little bit about some of the activities that you've been involved in since you moved to Missouri and you've worked Mm -hmm. in four states. You haven't been exclusively in Missouri. You sent me the list of activities, which is like it's over a page long. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you yeah. mentioned the invasive species removal and treatment, trail clearing, tread restoration, burn piles, felling snags. I didn't even know what a snag was. Those are <laughs> trees that are dead and could easily fall on trails. Fire line preparation, prescribed burning, picnic table bench and fire pit installation, prairie restoration rare bat surveys, (laughs) timber stand improvement, burned area emergency rehab, mucking and gutting flood damaged homes and on and on. So can you tell us a story or two of maybe one of the more challenging experiences that you had and what it's actually like when you're not in St. Louis, when you're out kind of in the field working on one of the AmeriCorps projects?
1: Yeah. So we usually do five day projects. Sometimes we do 10 day projects, but either way, we'll get there on Monday. And as a team leader this year, I'm kind of facilitating these types of things, but we like pack out with your team, you'll like pack out your truck with all the tools you need for the week and then kind of like coordinate with the partner that you'll be like meeting in the field. And then you you travel there. Sometimes we go Missouri's, I mean, somewhat of a big state. So sometimes we will go like four or five hours. Sometimes it'll be like one hour, two hours. And then occasionally we do do stuff in St. Louis. But yeah, we'll travel there and then just do the project for the week. And it can really change drastically based on like weather and other factors like that. So are you
0: living in tents or are you in apartments or what's the living
1: situation? Yeah, for us, honestly, it's definitely nicer than I thought it was going to be. We're usually in kind of like seasonal housing, which... Is often the Missouri Department of Conservation has like this housing that they sometimes have like seasonal crews stay in. Or the state park has housing for some seasonals that they sometimes have. Occasionally we'll stay in like Airbnbs or sometimes we'll, we'll camp outside. Not very often, though, until the summer.
0: Oh, OK. Well, that's good. So you don't have to do any winter camping. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> So tell us about one of your favorite projects that you've worked on and where it was. Oh,
1: hmm. well, in terms of projects, definitely one of my favorites was I went to Prairie State Park last year for 10 days, which is kind of it's in the southwest corner of Missouri, like right next to Kansas And it's just such a cool place. Like I loved living there. We actually, the housing was kind of goofy that week. We were sleeping in the visitor center. So like some of my team was sleeping right next to a taxidermied uh, bison, but (laughs) it was super fun. And what were you doing? So we were doing prairie restoration overall, which involved prairies sometimes have There was like a a couple of creeks running through the prairies and they have a lot of bushy kind of like smaller trees popping up where we were actually cutting those down because they were kind of like taking over the prairie grasses that were supposed to be there because since it was so close to the creek, the fire couldn't really get to them and kill, kill that vegetation off. That's something that's also cool is that they, at Prairie State Park, they like use burns. To just like keep the prairie healthy. Another thing we were doing was hand seeding parts of the prairie where the grass is kind of like, well, it was like a bear. So they needed to be like reseeded. And they had like collected bags of seed of some blue, little blue stem and other like native prairie grasses. And so we were just like seeding them. That was really fun. I know you
0: majored in environmental studies and geography at Middlebury. Mm -hmm. How is what you learned in the classroom similar to or different from what you've been doing in the field? And I'm not talking about your time at the Environmental Trust when you were doing the GIS. But since you've been at AmeriCorps. What is the hands on experience like?
1: Oh, like since I've been at St. Louis. Well, I I didn't really do much in the field during college. I did some geology out in the field with like sampling stuff.
0: I guess I'm talking more about the book learning, the book learning about environmental science. And you're out there working in the environment. How is what you've learned in the classroom kind of lining up with what you're seeing in the
1: field? Hmm. I mean, I guess one thing that comes to mind is my senior year, like for my major, we had to do kind of a project that was with a partner in Vermont. And I did something with like the Vermont Forest Parks and Rec Department. And it was about conserving land and deciding where to conserve land and how like conserving land and how public transportation plays into that and like who has access to conserved land and stuff like that. And I don't think I've used that, but I've definitely thought about that while I'm out here, like at conservation areas in Missouri and seeing who has access, who doesn't, stuff like that.
0: Has your view of school changed at all since joining AmeriCorps?
1: That's a good question. I would say like It's not as every little thing that you learn in school wasn't crucial to me. It definitely makes me want to like go back at some point and learn more about what I know now that I like really want to apply in the field. Like what? I honestly want to learn a lot about plants and trees and different ecosystems and how they work and how they could be like managed and how different like habitats could be restored and the best ways to do that. Probably stuff like that. Cool. So what do you think has been more valuable
0: to your career so far, Emily, your AmeriCorps experience or what you learned in the classroom as a student?
1: I, I mean, I would say my AmeriCorps experience, I've, just like gain so many skills here. And that is kind of the point of AmeriCorps because they don't pay you very much. So it's really about like gaining skills to get into like certain industries. Well, let's
0: talk about some of those skills because we've mentioned already some of your chainsaw skills. (laughs) What other, I guess what we'd call technical skills, hard skills, would you say you've learned And what about some of the soft skills that you've
1: learned now as a team lead? Mm -hmm. I think for technical skills, it does. Yeah, definitely chainsawing, which is just used in a variety of ways for conservation. And then also like prescribed burning and preparing like burn units. Mm -hmm. What about on the soft skills side? Can you talk about what
0: it's been like? to be a leader in your early twenties.
1: Yeah. It's been more fun than I, like, I never really pictured myself doing this and being a leader, but I do like it a lot. Yeah. Like it's weird living and working with people and then also being their team lead for a week and Calling a lot of the shots, making sure your team is doing okay, morale is up, hopefully, You're, like taking care of them, stuff like that.
0: Have you had to make any hard calls? Have you had any like disciplinary things that you've had to do or things where you were put in a role that was uncomfortable for you?
1: I definitely have learned more to just directly address. Things like when people say something that maybe that isn't okay to say, talking to them about it. And then also, I've definitely been in uncomfortable situations with medical things that happen, like out in the field. There was like one team that I was leading last year where someone was like having a medical situation kind of flare up, and we were like two miles on a trail with no service off the road. So it was definitely a bit of a stressful experience.
0: I'm sure. Emily, what kind of advice would you want to offer other students who are interested in environmental studies, but aren't sure what they want to do when they graduate?
1: Yeah, I would say looking back on it, just like taking good like science classes that you're interested in. But then also kind of following all the connections that you might have or you could pick up, like, from someone. Because once you meet people, at least in conservation, the people that I've met are really cool and they'll, like, tell you about someone else that they worked with or, like, a different program they were working with or, yeah, agency, a lot of different stuff. So when you were in school, and granted, your last
0: year was, or last year, semester at school was during the coronavirus. But what do you wish you had known about kind of professional opportunities in the environmental space that you didn't know then?
1: I feel like I didn't really know that like what I'm doing right now existed. I really thought that the environmental field was mostly just people gathering data for like researchers that are doing studies on like plants or animals or stuff like that. And then I knew that like office jobs existed for mapping and database management, stuff like that. Cause I, I like dabbled in that.
0: Yeah. So what advice would you want to offer students who are interested in environmental studies, how they can uncover more opportunities that might interest them
1: i think just like googling things like within i remember finding like a really cool like environmental conservation job board i think and then just like the way that i found st louis was well I was like looking for things after Cape Cod and I was kind of typing like a couple of things that I knew that I liked or was interested in learning. Like I did want to do like more prescribed fire.
0: More prescribed fires. Is that like controlled burns? Is that what that is? Yeah. Yeah. So you put in prescribed fires, (laughs) job opportunities. Is that what you did?
1: Yes, actually. (laughs) And did AmeriCorps come up? Yeah. I mean... A lot of other stuff comes up too, like forest service jobs and like nature conservancy jobs. So you mentioned the low pay
0: (laughs) that AmeriCorps has. I think you said you're paid. It's like about almost $1,700 a month. What does AmeriCorps pay for? So, you know, what, what does it cover when you're working with them? What kind of benefits are there?
1: Well, I mean there is some healthcare like if you want it. I'm just like very lucky to be on my parents' healthcare so I don't have to worry about that. And they do provide like some support for like helping you find resources and stuff. But, but I mean is your housing taken care of and your uh, food and things like that? What's <laughs> yeah, what do no, you have really- to spend money on? Those are important things. So it really varies. On Cape Cod, my housing was taken care of. So I had a lower stipend. I was paid way less because the housing was taken care of and housing is really expensive on Cape Cod. And then there I also did like, usually in AmeriCorps, you can like qualify for food stamps and EBT. So I was getting like $200 a month for food from that, the state of Massachusetts. So that was really great. And then Missouri kind of has different standards in St. Louis, like with AmeriCorps St. Louis, they, they don't provide housing, but they have like houses that people kind of cycle through. So I live with like three people that did AmeriCorps St. Louis last year and then one current per person as well. And rent is like super cheap in St. Louis. So luckily, like, yeah, it works out.
0: And so do you have to pay for your own food?
1: I do, but not during the week. If we're out on project, there's like a food budget. We go on Mondays to a grocery store, usually before we arrive. And it does mean people get used to this, but we get like, we usually go to Walmart. We get like the great value version of a lot of stuff and keep it to like a certain amount of money per meal. It sounds very low, but we actually get like the actual budget is like five dollars per person per day, I believe. But you kind of learn how to like make that actually work.
0: Yeah, those are good life lessons for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so two final T for C questions, Emily. And these are questions I try to ask all of my guests. The first one is if you could share a time in your Relatively short professional life so far, when you failed or struggled, the most important part of this story is how you persevered and if there was a lesson that you learned in the process
1: yeah, honestly, I think back a lot to when I like first graduated college and was working on an organic farm and I like after a month i or kind of during the month I realized that the farmer it wasn't really okay for me to make mistakes or like learn on the job and I realized like how important that was to me cuz I I like love learning and I was trying hard so I think I was really struggling with that because I I kind of thought like it was my fault like I wasn't really communicating enough about like what I needed but then I realized like it just wasn't an, envir- an environment that i was going to be thriving, learning, and happy. so and then at this point like in st louis it kind of feels like the opposite of that environment because we get like new training all the time, especially as a team leader, i'm like constantly learning new things now and it was interesting because i thought i was like oh, i was talking to someone In the program and wondering, like, how much am I really going to learn about chainsawing this year if I'm mostly just like teaching the first years how to chainsaw? But then he was telling me, you can just like refine so much of what you've already learned and make yourself better still through teaching people. And I definitely think that's true. So what do you think
0: the takeaway lesson is for our listeners, especially those who may find themselves in a job after they graduate that they don't feel is a good fit that they don't like for whatever reason?
1: I think just watching out for the environment that you're putting yourself in and like if you feel okay making mistakes so that you can learn and like get better and then also just the people that you're surrounding yourself with because it makes a huge difference to be like alongside good people every day.
0: No doubt about it. And what about like psychologically? Cause I'm guessing in the back of your mind before you quit working at the organic farm, you were like, ah, I've only been here a month. How's this gonna look on my resume?
1: Yeah, Am I right. No, I, I definitely thought about that. <laughs> but then I realized, eh, it's just my first job after college. Like I have so much ahead of me. <laughs> and it worked out amazing. Like I I couldn't have dreamed. Well, yeah, I didn't know that I would be here at all. And I love it. So final question, Emily, if you could go back to Middlebury
0: and do it all over again, but based on the wisdom you have now, what advice would you give yourself?
1: Hmm. I would say I would tell myself to take a probably a biology class and just do a little more environmental science out in the field just to get more familiarity with field work. But then I would also tell myself, you don't even know that like what you're going to love exists. So it's pretty exciting future out there. (laughs) So basically don't stress if you don't know exactly what you
0: want to do because you'll discover it. Is that another way of saying it? Yeah. Yeah. I love it, Emily. So do you have any idea what you want to do at the end of this third year? When is the end of the third year for you? We'll be spending the summer in Montana and then it ends
1: like halfway through August.
0: And we're doing this interview, I should let our listeners know, towards the end of November 2022. So you're looking at the summer of 2023. Have Mm -hmm. you thought at all about that next step?
1: I I've thought about it, yeah, but... I'm definitely still not sure. I think I've really been like meeting some people just throughout day to day, meeting people like in the forest service or with the Missouri Department of Conservation or the Nature Conservancy or alumni of the program that, like, come back. And I I like, like, asking them about their job. So I have some ideas about what I want to do because I do want to, like, stay within, like, conservation realm. And I definitely, like, still, (laughs) I mean, I still want to, like, chainsaw and burn just because it's really fun. You are such a badass. Emily, I want to thank you so much for making
0: time for coffee today with me and the t for c community. This was wonderful.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me
0: thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of t4c and if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads feel free to check out the time for coffee website under the coaching tab at Time the number four coffee or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712.